Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. started with the normal podcast, we want to take a brief moment to acknowledge the passing of Royals pitcher Jordano Ventura. This podcast was recorded on Thursday before we obviously knew of his death on Sunday. We believe we do mention Ventura at one point in this, so we wanted to, our listeners to know that anything we said on the podcast was said prior to his death. In finance and insurance, there's this term called inherent vice. It's also the name of a Thomas Pynchon novel and a Paul Thomas Anderson uh, film adaption. The term inherent vice describes something that can't be insured for because it's just unavoidable. As Pynchon writes in his novel, usually it applies to cargo. Eggs break, chocolate melts, glass shatters. The inherent problem with existence. From the moment we're born, there's a timer that starts. A clock that counts down the days, hours, minutes, and seconds until we have to shuffle off this mortal coil, as Shakespeare would say. This timer is unavoidable, and it ticks for everybody. Some people's timers are longer than others, but even those with longer timers don't live to see it reach double zero. Instead, their clock is stopped short through tragedy. This is such the case with Ventura, who passed away in a car accident in his native Dominican Republic. More will come out over the next few days and weeks, and much like with the death of a a fellow young pitcher whose clock was stopped too early in Jose Fernandez, it may be ugly facts. But for now, a life has been lost, and seemingly under circumstances that unfortunately could have been avoided. That, though, doesn't lessen the impact of the loss, and Royals Nation will surely mourn for him. We at Royals Review send our condolences to the Ventura family, as well as to the family of Andy Marte, who too was killed on the same day in a separate accident. Life, in a way, is only inherent vice. Keep your head up! Welcome to Royals Review Radio. Uh, I'm your usual co-host here, uh, Sean Newkirk, and I'm for, I don't know if it's the first time, but it's been a while. I'm here with my other two co-hosts, and so we've got the trifecta, the triumvirate uh, of co-hosts right now, as always, our Georgian native, not Georgia the country, but Georgia the state, uh, Josh K. Ward. Hey, how's it going? Hi. And then joining us live over Skype, the one and only Matthew Lamar. <laughs> what? It would be quite impressive if I wasn't live. Yes, if we were talking to like a tape, a tape version. Of if, we were, 
if we were just reading a script to your taped yeah but yeah that would be quite impressive yeah well we we uh we keep the bar low here so we just do live mm. um okay so it i think i feel like i always start off the podcast by saying hey it's been a while since we've talked but this time it really has been a while since we talked particularly because we actually recorded an episode here's a little inside baseball we recorded an episode and then we lost it effectively so we didn't really record yeah. it right it's like the tree falls in the woods thing like it did it actually happen because it it did but there's no proof of right it. but anyway well, we talked about the royals for an hour so yeah okay. and and we it we happened. gave away money oh yeah that's, that's what right I remember. to our <laughs> listeners and they yeah but i'm we, sorry guys but we lost we, it yeah so. okay well maybe next time um mm-hmm. so in the uh, idea of semi-brevity um, we're going to stick to three main topics. I think we can probably do that, although there's guaranteed to be banter and guaranteed to everybody to go off topic in some capacity. Uh, but we're going to try. Speaking our of going off topic. Yeah, let's let's start. No, no, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, okay, so there's not been much in the winter. Other teams have been doing many of things, but the Royals have not been doing many of things. Uh, but one big thing they did do this winter so far was trade – um, Wade Davis, Wade Bot, wait, I Save Bot. I already already forgot his nickname. Save Bot, Wade Davis for uh, Is that Save Man, Save the Cyborg. Wait, no, he say yeah, Cyborg, Save Bot. Wait, but Save Man is what I'm thinking of. That's Greg Holland. You should probably yeah. stop while wait. you're less yeah. behind. Well, I've yeah. already written him off. Uh, <laughs> okay. So okay, so Wade Davis for Jorge Soler. Um, of course, Wade Davis only had one year left on his deal. Um, this would be in the final year, and he was injured, so there was a little bit of a mystery. And um, of course, Jorge Soler comes with four more years of control. I believe it's four. Yes, um, it is four. All at guaranteed rates, um, and he's 25, which is what we um, were just discussing. But uh, Josh, you kind of had mentioned some concerns, maybe not concerns, but before we started, we talked for a second about Soler um, and his age is that concern to you or just what are your thoughts on the thing well his his age concerns me as far as a development arc goes because hitters i mean hitters typically peak right around 26 28 thereabouts um but the better you are younger the more potential you have is usually how it goes um and so it's it's a little disconcerting that he hasn't produced a, you know really even like a decent season at the major league level I mean part of that is like the the Cubs have kind of like shuffled them around and like done different things and they've you know had 14 outfielders yeah. that they were trying to you know piece together and you know with Kyle Warmer going down and everything but there are things that I like about him but it's it's mostly limited to the two traits that the Royals haven't had a lot of, which is his ability to draw a walk and his power. And then I'm concerned about everything else. And even with his power, I'm concerned about how it plays in Kaufman compared to Wrigley. Uh, and even with the walk rate, it was a last year's last year. He, he walked almost 12% of the time, which was a, that's a career high mm-hmm. and it's a career high by several percentage points, which is, the problem with that is that it could be an aberration. Like, m- like maybe he learned to draw walks better, but at the same time, 
uh, his career walk rate is like nine percent, um, which is still pretty good, like for a Royals player. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a lot of concerns around him, uh, specifically like where is he gonna play? Uh, because he strikes you as being a defensive liability. Um, and if he's playing designated hitter, is he going to be like is he going to hit well enough to have value there? And so that's kind of where he's sitting at for me right now. Yeah, I think I think that you've covered most of my concerns with. You know the power translating to Kaufman. Okay, I think I. So when I look at Soler, I think I see him as really a guy that brings to the table two things. He brings to the very strong guy, I should say. He brings power and a really strong arm. Um, everything else is somewhat questionable. At least, I mean, he's not a great runner. He's not a very good defender. His hit tool is still remains to be seen. Um, I know you can kind of count walk and OBP outside of hit tool traditionally, but I kind of include that in there. Um, so you think of the power to Coffin Stadium, doesn't look great, unnecessarily. There haven't been very many power hitters, and it's just tough to hit home runs there. And then, of course, the arm might be negated by the bad. Um, well, if he plays DH, the arm is completely pointless. And if he plays right field and he doesn't do very good, you know, it's great to have a good arm, but it doesn't matter if you're not a very good defender necessarily. Um, so, kind of big concerns. And, of course, you know, he's moving to the biggest outfield in baseball uh, at Coffin, and he's not a great runner. He's not a great defender. So, I'm not sure. I, I know our, our good friend of the show, um, Josh Dugan, um, mentioned that, you know, some people see him as a, like a five-tool superstar possibly, but I don't. I, I just don't see that happening. Matt, what do you think? Well, I don't think that... Uh... Dugan was seeing him as a five-tool superstar, necessarily. Um, but that he has a lot of power, I mean, more power than Will Myers or Eric Hosmer or Mike Moustakis did, you know? None of those players really had the huge power that Solaire does. And I think, you know, some of his defensive problems coming with um, a relative lack of you know, experience as a Cuban player in the high levels with good coaching, you know, and, and that he's physically, um, you know, pretty good of an athlete, just maybe underperforming based on his skills a little bit. Um, you know, based on a couple of those things, you can pretty easily see um, and it, something that happens when he becomes a good player i'm gonna cut this out that was a terrible terrible uh sentence that i just said so <laughs> i don't know what i was talking about okay about solaire what it so sean what did you ask me um we were just talking about the power and kind of five tool, uh, five tool superstar that some might see him as in defense of Dugan, I don't think necessarily he thought that he would be a five-tool superstar. Um, he's a good athlete, um, you know, not an awesome athlete, but a good one, and something that, you know, some good coaching would fix. Plus, also, he had this really huge power that Mike Moustakis or Eric Osmer or Will Myers never really had, and the Royals haven't had since, like, Steve Balboni. And so the upside of Solaire 
or Stoller or however his name is going to get pronounced. It's going to get pronounced a lot of different ways, I think. Um, you know, the upside is that he could be a 35-40 home run hitter and have average-ish um, defense and, you know, be a five or six win player. And for uh, something that you get from Wade Davis, who's a one-year contract guy with some health issues, that's an awful lot of an upside for a Royals team that's trying to thread the needle, you know what I mean, um, in terms of being good next year, but also getting controllable players. Yeah, I just think that the 35-40 home run power exists, but, you know, it doesn't exist to Kaufman, you know. I mean, that's 35 home runs is the record. I mean, would would put him up there with the record for, you know, We've seen how many players the past, you know, 30 years chase that record. Um, guys with more power. Right. Every single other team has more, you know, Steve Bellamy <laughs> has 36 home runs, right? And that's a Royals record. Every other team has more than that, except for the Royals. So it's not out of the question in terms of a raw, sure. um, you know, but, and other parks are big too. It's not like the Royals Park is the only big one. No, I'm with you. But I just think that, like, they look, well, people, you look at the power and then, okay, so average defense, 35, let's even say 30 home runs. That seems like the 85 to 90 percentile outcome for Soler, in my opinion. Um, I don't know what Zips projects him. Let's see, Steamer projects him at uh, barely average. I mean, negative 1.2 fielding, so we'll just call that average defense. Um, and then 15 home runs uh, over 170 games. So... 60 more games, that's probably 20-ish home runs. I don't know. I just feel like the tools are cool. The raw, po- the raw power is great. The only problem is raw power is like arguably the worst tool to have at Kauffman Stadium. Um, and I don't know. I just – I wish he was a better defender. And I don't love – I love the contract if he was a little better. But I don't like basically guaranteeing him the arbitration rates. It's cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still, you know, guaranteed. What is it? Uh, eight, twelve, something like what? Fifteen, twenty million over the next four years, which again is cheap. But I don't know. It's still be great well, if uh, we have a little more bankability on them. I, I, I yeah, think but the, you I, don't get them from Ray Davis. Sure. If you have that more See, bankability, I've, at least not after last season. Yeah. Sorry, Ward. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Josh. Well, I was just gonna. I mean, the the one good thing about Solaire is uh, is you know this ability to generate power and it's 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 not like he he produces a lot of hard contact like he, he his career average on hard contact is 35% um and arguably the Royals best power hitter over the last season and a half despite injury was Mike Mustakis and his average Hard contact over the you know the last two and a half years where he's hit decently has been thirty one percent or right around thirty three actually so it's good that he hits the ball hard a lot but that kind of doesn't really like like Sean was saying that doesn't necessarily play all that well at Kaufman um, and even with all of that hard contact that he makes. Um, he hit 12 home runs in in 260 odd plate appearances last year, um, and so over a full season that translates to like 28 
home runs if he had gotten, you know, like 600 plate appearances thereabouts. Um, and that was not at Kaufman half the time. And and so that I'm not I'm not exactly sure where the where the power is going because he doesn't have a particularly high like home run rate compared to you know his his plate appearances and things like. I wonder that, if so. it's well, and one really important thing with batted ball uh, quality of contact, you know, launch angle matters too. I mm-hmm. am currently trying to look up what his launch angle is compared to other players, but that also is a big consideration. Because um, you look at like a guy like Hunter Dozier, who you know changed his launch angle to try to you know get less power effectively um, instead of trying to hit home runs all the time. So that's also a big issue. And yeah, I mean, it's not that I don't buy the power. Uh, it's just that it's just like man, like that's that's the worst tool for Kaufman effectively, and that's In- his main sole tool as well. And I don't know why my dog just freaked out. Um, so. It's, you know, and you know we, uh, you know that <laughs> he thought it was rough. <laughs> uh, but just also another another thing that might bring you some concern is you know we talk about the uh, the moose up all the time, the the infield fly ball from Moustakis that Ooh, seems to happen yes. consistently. Uh, his his career average is is right around sixteen percent, give or take. Uh, I mean he's been better. Like, but you know, even 2015, it was 15%. Yeah. Uh, Solaire's infield fly ball percentage is right around 12 and a half. Let's... So he okay. still has a tendency to pop so it up Solaire consistently. Ac- he actually has the seventh highest launch angle, average launch angle, um, out of minimum 100 at bats. So he's up there with Brandon Belt. Chris Bryant is sixth, Jorge Soler is seventh, Chris Carter is eighth, ninth is Todd Frazier. By the way, Todd Frazier has the ugliest swing of all time. Uh, but Jorge Soler, yeah, he does have a pretty nice little launch angle. Um, and that's probably causing the pop-ups. Uh, at least that doesn't help. But of course, you know, if you run into a ball hit really, really hard, and you've got a 19-degree launch angle, then I think 20 or so, I think it's 20 to 25 is the sweet spot for launch angle. And his average mm-hmm. one is right below that. Um, so it seems like if he hits a ball hard, it's probably going to go far, but if he hits it less than hard, it's probably going to be a pop-out in some capacity or fly-out. Well, he only has, uh, like, 20-ish percent soft contact. Okay. Actually, six, 16.7. Okay, well, that's good. So, yeah, I don't know. And, you know, we're kind of going round and round about his power, but, like, where where is he? Like, he... His arm probably fits in right field, but his legs don't. Uh, first base is taken, uh, which leaves designated hitter. But I don't feel like you trade for a 25-year-old outfielder to be a DH. Yeah. And so he might have to be a DH. I mean, he might not defensively be good enough to play. He was a He was a poor defender at Wrigley, and Wrigley is, I think, the third smallest ballpark in baseball, something like the second or third smallest, somewhere around yep. that range. So how's that going to translate to the biggest ballpark in baseball? Yeah. I don't know. Steamer, Steamer projections have him at uh, a 104 WRC plus. Yep. But it comes Which in would at... Be, wouldn't that be like as good or better than any of the Royals hitters not named Kendrys Morales last year? 
from last season. I mean, I can look it up real quick. Yeah. But the the other thing is that Steamer also projects him to be uh, essentially a negative... A ne- like, he's projected to have negative 11.2 runs on defense, so all of his offensive value essentially gets knocked out by his yeah. uh And 104... Defense. And yeah, as a DH, 104 is really underwhelming for a DH. Um, yeah. That's yeah, that's my yeah. Kind of, but okay. Eric Cosmer, Eric Cosmer had a 101 last year among qualified hitters, and uh, Mike Mustakas had a 110. Drew Butera had 114. No, but I don't care about Drew. And then Lorenzo Cain and and Kendris Morales had a 110. So. Man. So, so it would put it would put him in the uh, top echelon with Mustakis, Morales, and Butera. Oh. I love. Uh, you know, when you put it like that, it makes sense that they were eighty-one and eighty-one last. Yeah. So their best yeah. hitter was only what ten percent above league average. Wow, I can't believe they didn't win more games. Um, yeah. I'm okay. actually surprised they won as many games as yeah. they did after looking at this. Sure, and then they had guys who had a less a sub like three walk percentage with Orlando and Escobar. Man, I can't believe they didn't have more guys on base in front of hitters to score runs when they're not hitting anyways. All right, well, I think we're good on talking about uh, Jorge Soler. We've expressed our concerns and our likes about it. Um, Next move. One thing I do want Wait. to say, oh, yeah. sorry, before you no. continue, go ahead. Um, is we've been talking a lot about Solaire himself versus what the Royals could or should have gotten for Wade Davis. Yes, um, that is true. You know, he's he's a guy. Even if it's not likely, he's got a guy with a pretty high ceiling. Um, you know, comparatively to a lot of guys, um, he could be really, really good, and. Wade Davis had a year left on his contract. He's getting paid, you know, ten million or whatever. So it's not cheap. Um, mm-hmm. And he had a couple of elbow issues to me, and his um, pitching profile just screams Tommy John injury to me this year. I would be surprised if he stays healthy the whole year. So they're getting Solaire, who you know maybe reasonable expectation could be you know, two-and-a-half-win player, but someone who's good offensive eh, on the defensive uh, side of the ball. But that seems a pretty good return on, on White Davis. Like, who else would they get for him? Uh, a prospect would be maybe higher upside, but a lot riskier or multiple prospects. Um, so, I don't know. We've discussed a lot about how Solaire isn't, is kind of a weird fit for this this team at the stadium, but he seems like a pretty fair return for Wade Davis. Yeah, I just wonder if I'm almost, and you never know, but I'm almost 100% sure there are other offers. If Well, first, Dayton says he doesn't shop players, which is mind-boggling, but anyways, uh, you know, I'm assuming there are other offers out there for Wade Davis, and this one, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's not like Josh mentioned. He's 25. It's not so. It's not that I dislike Solaire. It's just like for Wade Davis, I wasn't expecting the moon, but I would either think like, okay, you either get the deal you want, or a relatively close deal you want, uh, or 
you just you say fuck it, you give it a shot, uh, screw it, excuse me, uh, you give it a shot, <laughs> and you try and see at the trade deadline because that's when reliever prices are the absolute highest. Yes, it's only half a month, and he's not a Roldis Chapman, but you know Roldis Chapman returned the top twenty prospect. I'd imagine if Davis is good, and that's part of the reason why the Cubs made this bet. They have the thought that hey, we think that. Uh, Wade Davis is better than Jorge Soler, and we think that he's going to be able to last for the year. Um, so, uh, you know, one side of the deal has a completely different opinion on Wade Davis, and it's the side that's actually acquiring him, obviously. So, I don't know. I just think that if you didn't get a good deal or the right deal, wait till the trade deadline. Yeah, sure, you could get injured any time in the you know, following three months, uh, but I don't know. This- How many times have we been told uh- – you know, not told him because we have no access to date more. But we've said, hey, treat your reliever when yeah. he's got a uh, you know high value. <laughs> no, I just and then, no, I now he yeah. trades this reliever and you're like, oh well, could get a better return at midseason. It just seems a little you know weird. I know what you're saying. No, I'm with you. I thought about that too with Soria and Holland. Yeah, trade. No, wait. I, I would not acquire a White Davis. He's just. Hmm. It seems too risky to me. If I was the team in contention, uh, it just I would not acquire him. Like I say, let's make this bet right now. I think Wade Davis uh, goes under the knife for Tommy John sometimes this year. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll say that. By the way, you were you were talking about walk rate earlier. <laughs> with players with at least uh, 149 plate appearances, because Mondesi was at that. So four guys had a walk percentage of four percent or less. Right on the Royals. Perez, Mondesi, Escobar, and Orlando. It's like hmm. golf. Wow. I... And or- Orlando was at two point seven, while the rest were right at four. So you're saying that when a team builds their whole philosophy on making contact, and then when they make contact, the ball doesn't find, doesn't have Babbitt luck. Babbitt luck, it uh, doesn't do it very well. See, it'd be different if they were like Rudin Odor who doesn't walk but also hits the crap out of balls and right. you know plays uh bad defense but he plays second base I mean that's different that's a two way Is it player. is it well that Jorge Soler could be Rugnet Odor? No, because like wait. a slightly lesser version of that? Yeah, it's possible but you move but if Jorge so if if Rugnet Odor played DH he wouldn't be very good necessarily. Right. Um but he would still Punch Bautista yes. in the face. Yeah, that's not reflected in his player. war. I think it should be. I think that should have been in there. Doubles it yeah. automatically. Yeah. And then an entirely new stat category yeah. of how many times you punch Jose Bautista. He's the lead leaguer. He's the lead leaguer for sure on that one. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's move on. Uh, we said our piece there. Uh, okay. I'm excited to see Mustakis back, though. Yeah. Now that, now that we've been talking about him for a bit. I know. Man, well, he, he was... It's amazing what 18 months can do for you, yeah. but he, is Jesus. He, is he still the... He, tri- he needs to be healthy. <laughs> is he still the thing that's always turning... I always forget what the hell you guys call it. The he's always that, in the best shape of his life. No, the no, thing that turns turning corners. corners. What is oh, that? yeah, turning corners. Yeah. Remember I post the yeah, dodecahedron yeah. thing? Dodecahedron, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, it's just turning, turning, keeps turning, turning. Yeah. Okay. Always turning. Well, we'll see. Um, yeah, I'm excited about him coming back because everybody likes him, and maybe we can get some Stouffer's served at the Kauffman Stadium. That'd be kind of interesting. Yeah, Matt, you got the hookup. And you, then, know, you know the Kauffmans. Well, they. I I do not. I've met Julia Kauffman from oh. all of uh, 
five minutes. Oh, okay. And by five minutes, I mean four seconds. Okay, that's pretty good. I shook her head once, basically. Oh. All right. Um, I have met, sidebar, I have met Shirley Hellsberg, you know, Hellsberg Hall and Hellsberg yes. Diamonds. I have met her and talked to her. So, that's something. But she can't get maybe more tickets. Different, different families. I have not met her. And her husband is named after my business school is named after her Hellsburg Business School. So that's fun. Um, okay. Well, uh, next move made was trading uh, for Nate Carnes. Uh, they traded my, one of my absolute favorite Royals players of all time. Maybe after David DeJesus, maybe the most underrated Royals player of all time because I'm still on the David DeJesus bandwagon. Um, he should be a Royals Hall of Famer. Yeah, he should. I might write something about that one of these days. I love Dave DeJesus. He was so he was very good. Poor fellow was on just those David crappy DeJesus, Royals teams. number three hitter. What'd you say? <laughs> yeah. David DeJesus is number three hitter. Because yeah. he hit number three all those years because the Royals didn't have anybody yeah. else who could do it effectively. Uh, so his 12 home runs is what carried the... Oh, the number three spot. He was such, he's such a cool dude. That, Matt Stairs had clean up for one of those teams. I remember, if I remember correctly. Yeah. You, hopefully you Matt don't Stairs, the, the king of the the sixth inning home run. Yeah. <laughs> to give me free Sonic things. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or, he, uh, I put together a leaderboard, a Sonic Slam inning leaderboard, and he's up there. Oh, now I have to find this really quick. He's up there, and I think Mike Sweeney is also up there. Um. It's too bad they don't do the Krispy Kreme thing anymore. So that was by that was by far my favorite promotion. So as of May 29th, um, Mike Sweeney 22 Sonic Slamming home runs. Uh, this is since 2000. I don't know if the it started before 2000, but that's what I went with. Uh, Billy Butler with 14, and then current Royal Mike Lustakis with 13. So doing pretty good. How many grand slams? Yeah, nobody's overtaking. Oh, I need to look that one. That's interesting. Yeah, um, I watched Lorenzo Cain hit a grand yeah. slam in person, and I, I I wasn't watching TV, so I didn't think about it. And then about you know five minutes later, I thought somebody just won a twenty five thousand. Did did he hit that on Fourth of July? Somebody hit a home run, a grand slam. Yeah, it was Fourth of July. George Contreras or Contreras also hit a home run during that game. Oh. Huh. Oh, speaking of backup catchers, yeah, loves. that I do not care about. Uh, and then most Sonic Slam innings in a single year, the king himself, Raul Banez, with six. He had six Sonic Slam innings in one year. That's nuts. Did he space them out enough to maximize the return? <laughs> no, he didn't. Like it's like it's like one they, of the they add like a yeah. hundred dollars a game or something right. he like just that. Gave five people a hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you win the lottery after someone just won the lottery like the previous drawing that's that's still good luck but that's right. still like sh- shoot um yeah. okay. oh damn anyway. i only have i only have 30 million dollars i know but it's still uh, like if you know you assume you only go in the lottery once it's like well it would have been great to win it like two weeks from i don't know it's not unlucky but it's still it's like oh cool <laughs> I, I I would dare somebody to complain about no, the lottery because I know. they just didn't win enough money. <laughs> I think it's I think that's in that Atlantis Morissette ironic song, isn't it? Oh ironic? yeah. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> uh, okay, so back on topic with Gerald Dyson, no longer royal, still great 
guy. Although, you know, of course he was at the Cowboys game instead of the, the Chiefs game, you know. So obviously he hated Kansas City this whole time. I'm glad we know that now. Isn't he, isn't he from Texas? He's from Georgia, right? Uh, oh, see, that doesn't... I he's from NFL Georgia. football in Georgia it's means Bacon? nothing. I can't think of it. He's not from Macon, right? Oh. I'm, a, I'm actually... Mississippi, okay, that yeah. would make, that oh, would make even more sense. I said Macon, yeah, Macomb, Mississippi. Okay, uh, I think... Because uh, cause Macon's in Georgia. But, yeah, um, that's what I was thinking, but I had, a, I had Macomb and, McCain, and Macon. Tell you what, man. Okay. The, <laughs> the Atlanta Falcons hardly register down here. In <laughs> Savannah? Like a, yeah, or in Georgia in general as like a sport. As outside of Atlanta... Uh, the NFL is is not really a thing. Really? It's it's college and high school football. I guess that makes sense. I could see college for sure with like all those. With the University football. of Georgia has a much bigger following than the Atlanta Falcons do. Hmm. Well, until they made the playoffs this year, that is anyway. Now everybody knows them. So tell me about Nate Carnes, because I honestly am slacking on my Nate Carnes knowledge. Other than I think he probably looks like he's going to be a better reliever maybe than starter, potentially. He's one of those guys that might be able to switch the bullpen and be like a dominant-ass reliever. But what do you I guys think? If you have arms, you're going to be better in the bullpen than you are in the rotation. That's just sort of how it works. Yeah, but there's different shades though, right? I mean, there's guys who like um, guys who have huge K rates. I mean, Carnes has a really good K rate. Really good fastball. I mean, he's got good stuff, but he's just got that command that, you know, you can yeah, turn a one-win player he, into a potentially three-win player. Um, that's a really good reliever, but you could do that, you know, just by moving him to the bullpen. I'll well, uh, get Duffy for a bit. To, to, to be fair, he was – had he played his, – his, his war last year was 1.2 in 94 innings. And the year before that, it was 1.5 in 147 innings. So he's he's if he could ever manage to make it a full season, he might be an average pitcher. But mm-hmm. you're not wrong. Like if you look at his, I mean, his career FIP is 4.34, and his ERA is 4.41, and that for a guy who strikes out yeah nine hit nine nine per nine yeah. Uh, that very much reads to me like Wade Davis. Yeah, we struck out almost 10 per nine in 2014. I mean, yeah, he's got awesome K rates, but then he's got buzzkill of uh, almost you know 4.29 walk rate last year per yeah. nine. Yeah, like yeah, I, I would say of the of the starting pitchers that are kind of slated to be starting pitchers next year, he is the one that strikes me as being the most likely to end up in the bullpen hmm. by the end of the year or following the year or uh, God willing and the creek don't rise, Kyle Zimmer actually like <laughs> figures out like he, you know, pays homage to whatever medieval god he needs to pay homage to to get his arm to not be broken anymore. I was just I was um, just thinking every time Someone says Kyle Zimmer might be healthy this year. God breaks uh, a ligament. He just tears another Pulls ligament in, yep. his, in his in his arm. Tears, tears another ligament, and um, it's like a voodoo doll. Like there's just some kid in Louisiana poking at this Kyle Zimmer voodoo doll, just yeah. wasting away his God-given talent. Um, yeah. So Matt, what did you think about Carnes? Have you had much look into him and have have a thought? 
Um, put it this way, I would have him rather have Nate Carnes than Christian. Yes. Um, and that's the thing, is regardless of if the trade is good or not, the Royals needed starting pitchers. Um, mm-hmm. And they were either going to roll into the season with the ghost of Kyle Zimmer's arm, um, or, you know, Josh six walks per nine innings um, Salmons, or Matt Strom, who hasn't pitched over 100 innings in, you know, since... 2012 or something um you know they were gonna have to rely on those guys rather than being in the position where if they do well those guys um then get into the rotation um yeah and the chris young is still on this team he's gonna be very bad um what's the what do you guys think that he's gonna be cut like his roster spot used for something else when does he get dfa'd is what you mean yeah because he's not going to last the year. No. You don't think so? He'll get to oh. May. He'll get to May, or I'll say, <clears throat> I'm going to say May 15th, my brother's birthday. I, he'll be DFA'd on my brother's birthday in May. I'm calling. This my, is my shot. My guess? They've got to give him one of those, but, like, but, oh, but the thing is, you try. He's, he's under contract for two more years. No. He no, this is his final year. Oh no, sorry, it's an it's an option year. Oh that's, yeah, that's which my... is yeah. Date special. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The eight... uh, the old option year with the buyout. <laughs> it's not gonna be picked up, but it's a freaking eight million dollar mutual option. Mm-hmm. Eight million. It's not gonna be picked up, but still, what? Shoot, why not make it twenty five million at that point? <laughs> right. Yeah. There's no way. <laughs> There's no way that that would have been. If I was a GM, I I think I would troll one player, be like, like Danny Duffy, or I would have given him like a fifty million dollar mutual option just to screw with everything. <laughs> just be like, hey Danny, you might be able to make fifty million, but and then never. Well, and that. the and the thing is, is I I I feel like this. I feel like it's a thing where it's like, it makes the contract look better. Than what it is, not even necessarily to the player, but to the like the average fan. Like when you when you hear that they signed Chris Young to, you know, three years and you know, whatever it is, nineteen million dollars, eighteen and a half million dollars, whatever. You're like, oh yeah, they're actually like spending money. <laughs> so you actually look at the contract details, and it's actually two years and like eleven and a half million dollars. Right. And then there's you know. Six and a half million of this that will never be paid. Yeah, but forty percent is not going to actually be paid. <laughs> yeah, and, but like getting back to Nate Carnes, I guess. Um, my hope, I guess my my winded hope is, is is that they have identified something in him about his delivery would that will make him have more command. Sort of like what, what, like the whole Gil Mesh experiment, like that was the whole big deal when he came over there. Like, look, his numbers aren't like super, but like we've identified this problem that he's having on his, when he, you know, get out in front on his plant foot or whatever. And we're going to work on that and we're going to change it. And oh, oh, look at that. Like he's a better pitcher now. But so, but yeah, Nate Carnes very much strikes me as the kind of guy who's just going to end up in the bullpen unless there's. 
something that they think they've identified about him that is going to make him better than what he has shown, because at 29, it's not really a developmental thing anymore. It's more of just like, hey, this is kind of who he is, and... Maybe maybe they think his profile will play better at Kaufman. Like, I don't know. I haven't looked well enough to see if he's a fly ball pitcher or not. Um, or anything like that. So maybe his profile looks like he would perform better in a more spacious ballpark. But, I mean, between, but like between Duffy and Ventura and Carnes and Kennedy, who was, you know, sort of the... The oft-forgotten big money man from last year <laughs> that we don't ever really spend time talking about because he was kind of just there last season. Um, the the one thing that the, that Carnes does at least is who they can have for their rotation because last year uh, it was you know Dylan G and there was Mike Miner and Chris Medlin was a thing for a bit and Chris Young started and. It's just this big sort of hodgepodge of guys that you kind of didn't really want to even pitch for the team were were making a lot of appearances. And the thing with Carnes and Duffy and Ventura and Kennedy and Jason Vargas, who is healthy enough to play last year, even though it cost the team, you know, six um, is... That's a rotation. I mean, I'm not going to say it's a it's a good one. It's it could be if, you know, Duffy is what he was for parts of last year and if Ventura <sighs> if Ventura dot 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 is, yeah, like if is his career basically. Right. If if whatever the thing that Ventura has going on that is not working starts working uh then like he could be good, <laughs> um, and the Kennedy's better. He could be good. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and you know Kennedy's gonna be what what Kennedy is. I mean he's, I I don't know that he's going to be. I mean he was almost, he was almost an average pitcher last year, but not quite. Um, his FIP was way higher than you would expect it to be. At, like four point six seven, or maybe I guess that's where you would expect. Yeah, but. with all that hard contact, you mentioned Solaire makes a lot of hard contact to thirty five percent. I think that's Ian Kennedy's like career or rate the past few years is something yeah. like thirty five percent. Yeah, and um, and then uh, you know his ERA was three point six eight. So like credit his defense, I, I yeah. suppose. Well, I mean they tried to trade it. They tried to give him away for free at the deadline. I mean they were. They said, somebody take this contract, and nobody wanted it, effectively. Yeah. Hey, real quick, uh, I, I, we'll get back to Nate Carnes, but yesterday, well, whenever this posts, so we'll call it the, today's the 19th, so Wednesday the 18th was the six-year anniversary of Gilmesh retiring from the Royals. I figured mm, out. The, Can you believe, you I, know never, the, I never noticed this. He had a 3.7 win season for the Royals and then a 4 win mm-hmm. season the next year. He was a damn good pitcher for those yes, two he years. Was. I always forget that. Yeah. Yeah, he was the, uh, what was it? There's, you know, the best pitcher since um, David Cohn or some nonsense like yeah. that. And I forget what it was that they, they called it. He was pretty dang good. 
it, and, yeah. and then, of course, his shoulder said, well, I'll see you later, basically. <laughs> right. And then he... from Dre Hilden, of course. Yeah, yeah. He had that, like, 130 pit. Yeah, he... I... I I wrote about it at the time. Before his... uh, He even was announced to be put on the disabled list. He... I wrote about the fact that Gilmash threw 132 or 137 pitches in a single game after having thrown 115 the the game before that, and then, you know, within the next week and a half or so, um, he was put on the disabled list. That, so it was just that 2008 Royals team had two four-win pitchers, Gilmash and Zach Greinke, which I can almost guarantee. Not even not guarantee, but I can't think of another time when the Royals had two four-win pitchers on the team at the same time. And then mm-hmm. the next best starter is Kyle Davies, which, to Kyle <laughs> Davies' credit, one and a half wins, not so bad. Um, but he was outwarded by Ramon Ramirez, so it goes: Gilmash, Zach Greinke, next best pitcher, Ramon Ramirez. But hey, two-win season by Ramon Ramirez—that's that's not too shabby. R- Ramon Ramirez is who they Ram Ram. They they ended uh, they ended up trading him for Coco Crisp, didn't they? Um, I don't. Was that that trade, or did they get him for Coco Crisp? Let's figure it out. Let's see. It's 2017. Uh, Ramon Ramirez. Uh, he's playing in Australia now. Tigres de Oh no, Mexico. Tigres de Quintana. Yeah. Uh, he was traded for Coco Crisp to the Red Sox. Exactly. Yeah. You nailed it. Yeah, so, you know, Ramon Ramirez turned into that. Yeah. I remember Coco Crisp's time with the Royals being basically, he's doing okay, but it would be better if he had both shoulders. <laughs> I think... Uh, because there was a period of time where he couldn't switch hit for the team because of one of his shoulders was so bad. And, like, he, they just kept kind of running him out in center field, and obviously he didn't have a good arm to begin with, and... Yeah, yeah. This, uh, that uh, that period of Royals history is is with was, stories of just weird mismanagement yeah. things. Well, I was gonna say so. Kind of back to David Jesus and like early aughts Royals. Uh, <laughs> tell me if this doesn't. I'm gonna read this article. It's just it's like ten. It's like five sentences. I'm gonna read this to you. You tell me if this doesn't perfectly summarize the early 2000s Royals. <clears throat> The Kansas City Royals apparently gave umpires the wrong lineup card for Friday's game against the, the Angels. David Jesus single single leading off against Paul Bird. When Angel Barroa came to the plate to bat second, umpires called time and huddled in the infield. After a few minutes, Barroa was called out. DeJesus was required to bat again. He flied out. <laughs> <laughs> they batted out of order. <laughs> the guy got a hit. To lead off the game, they bat out of order, the hit gets taken back, and then he gets out. Two outs, one bat. One plate appearance. Anyways. Yep. That's... That summarizes the 2000... That's 2005 is when that happened. That's, yeah. that's yep. in a nutshell, that's the early 2000s. I mean, that's that's right up there with Harry Robinson climbing the wall in center field and having the ball land 20 feet in front of the warning track kind of stuff. Yeah. Or, you know, Chip Ambrose playing in the major leagues. Like, that was a thing that happened for too much time. To be well, fair, that's a perfect baseball name. Yeah. Yes, it is. And then, uh, Speaking of, yeah. 
<laughs> speaking of Coco Crisp's lack of shoulders, reminds me that they they played Desi Relaford in in the outfield and at second base when he needed shoulder surgery <laughs> and couldn't switch hit anymore, and he wasn't even good. He like, just had enough just, oxygen in his blood blood level, yeah, just, basically. They kept running out there because the, the next option on the list, I think, was Kit Pello or Morgan oh, Burkhart. I'm glad, like, I I think I was in, well, I think I was a sophomore in high school in 2005, and I didn't really follow the Royals that much, so I, I missed a, I followed him a bit, but, like, not as much as I do now, so I'm glad I, I I'm not as numb as you guys, I think. <laughs> they I, I, I am remarkably dumb. <laughs> that 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 early two thousand those early two thousands teams were. Yeah. I mean, one year they used. Uh, I want to say that they used twenty seven pitchers. Oh sure. Uh, they, I think players at, 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 like throughout the se- the season, and you're just like, cool. Like yeah. their leading starter, I think, had fifteen starts. And it was like, it was Dan Reichert or something like that. Also, my, some of my favorite random Royals of all time came from those teams. Yeah. Those teams. I think Brian Friel is my Brian favorite Friel. random yeah. um, Royal of all time. Because they already had Willie Bloomquist. Like, what's <laughs> the point? You don't need two Willie Bloomquist. Yeah, uh, but... Well, and I have a Ryan Sheely. Friel couldn't even get on the field because they had Willie Bloomquist. Yeah. Well, yeah, there, oh, man. Ken Harvey's one-handed swing, like oh, there was a lot, and he was an all-star. Yeah, Tony Pena Jr. had that one-handed swing that I have a video of. It just, it's I think it's at the Trop. He, God, he was such a bad. Those those early teams, but shout out to Ryan Sheely. Love that guy still. I Dude, have his jersey. Right, Ryan Sheely was actually kind of legit for a while, and then weird. He was actually a fairly good defender. Yeah. At first, for but, sure, uh, had a yeah. 149 WRC plus for 20 games in 2008. Yep. I don't know why. And then I had what? A jersey. And I have my McDougal jersey too. Hey, know. you know what eight uh, rhymes with what? Nate? Nate Carnes. Ah, Nate Carnes. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's get <laughs> so back. The thing about, back. Uh, so the thing about Nate Carnes is yes, that talk to me. Uh, <sighs> He's the not, thing is, is that I think there's actually more questions about the bullpen now than there is about the starting rotation. <laughs> Nate Carnes might actually be kind of a solution to one of those issues because after Kelvin Herrera, you've got Strom, oh, Joaquin Soria. Yeah, Strom and Soria for now. I think they're going to start starting yeah. the bullpen. So Strom, Soria, I, and then I'd really appreciate it if they next week. Um, the, the Royals could, like, accidentally end up with a great bullpen. Um, if Kyle Zimmer, I, I know, you can all insert space for laughter. Do you hear that bone crate breaking? <laughs> is, is helping. And to be to be fair, um, part of the reason why they think he's healthy this year is because he's had thoracic outlet syndrome. Um, Surgery. You know, diagnosed and had surgery for it and that is a notoriously difficult injury to yeah diagnose and wasn't that uh was it luke hochaver who had that surgery uh dylan yep, yep. g as well yeah him too and you know the hope is oh this was the monster behind all of his other injuries and 
you know, it makes sense to a degree. We'll see. Again, I think that sound was Kyle uh, Kyle's left pinky finger. Yeah. Okay. Out of nowhere. But anyway, if he makes the major leagues, he's probably going to do it in the bullpen. They don't want to, you know, put 200 innings on him as a starter. And he could be really, really good in the bullpen. Um, and they could, you know, limit his usage more. And then Josh Stalmont, um, you know, triple digits, come out, just let it all hang out, strike out everybody and walk the people you don't. Yeah, that's um, basically what it is. That, that, that kind of thing. But really, that could, that's a pretty high uh, ceiling bullpen. Yeah. If you have Matt Strom, uh, Stalmont, and Zimmer. Who was the reliever for Chicago, the Chicago Cubs that walked everybody he didn't strike Carlos, out? Carlos Zambrano? No. He did walk. He, or are you Sorry, talking what? this that year? Really bad joke. No, no, no. He was, yeah, he was probably... Edwards. Carlos Zambrano. Oh, not Zambrano. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, gosh dang it. I just, I comp Stom onto him and my top prospect thing, and now I can't think of who he is either. Um, gosh dang it! Art Pryor. No, he's a reliever. You're right. I I'm blanking on him. I have his face in my mind right now. Anyway, Carlos Marmol. Yeah, Marmol. Gosh dang it! That's right. Carlos. He had like a six walk rate one year, I think. Yeah, in uh, 2013, he struck out 10.41 batters per nine innings. Walked 6.83 batters per nine innings. Pretty good. Yeah, he yeah. was garbage. Well, he was good for, I think, a two years or so. He actually had decent seasons. Yeah. Um, uh, 2010, he struck out 16 batters per nine innings and walked six batters per nine innings. Yeah, you can live with the six. And yeah, we get the 16. 2.7 wins above replacement. Jeez, so. with a six walk rate. That's insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a lot of batters struck out, which mm-hmm. you have to do to walk six people. Um, okay. Uh, so final thing, let's move on to. I, but hold on, hold no, on, hold on. no, no, just no. To what to, to okay. what Matt was saying about okay. the bullpen and, and all that, he brings up a good point that there are a lot of enticing options. Though I wouldn't, I mean, they're obviously not proven by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, if they don't, if Kyle Zimmer is healthy. In oh, pos- that's his left <laughs> knee bone. Yeah. <laughs> Literally every time somebody says it, just he, they just out with a news report of another thing breaking. Um, but if he is healthy, uh, and honestly, I don't. At this point, I don't know that they can get any more development out of him. Uh because of the injuries and, and because of all these other things, that they might think that their best shot is to keep him in the major leagues, to have a major league medical staff around then he could be a good option to have in the bullpen. Matt Strom, obviously, was pretty good last year. His walk rate actually went up when he moved to the bullpen from the minor leagues, which was, you know, kind of interesting. But, like, he strikes out a lot of guys. And Kelvin Herrera, obviously, you know, one of the most underrated relievers in baseball. So you've got a lot of good things that could happen. And then if you, you know, if Nate Carnes makes his way to the bullpen, that kind of becomes a really good 
uh, relief core to have of games. Yeah, which... if it's Strom. Like, Carrera, there's just a big gulf between, like, in the 50th percent outcome, or, you know, the kind of expected one, it's Herrera, and then I think there's a nice little gulf. Um, Strom, mm-hmm. actually, I was kind of surprised. by Strom doesn't project to be that great in the bullpen. I think it might just be because of minor league track record is just too short. But he's only projected for a sixth of a win and, you know, a 3-3 ERA, 3-4-9 FIP, which is good, solid reliever, but, you right. know, it's be less than what he was last year and double the amount of innings. Um, and then it's Soria, who I'm not even going to go into because I <laughs> will destroy Remember the Remember, I'm pretty sure the last podcast I was on, I was defending Joaquin Soria. That's all right. It's only only, uh, only two more years left after yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, then they got to pay him a million dollars to go away. I forgot. Um, oh, right, right, right. So. Option. The old option year. Ten million. Might as well be fifty million at that point. <laughs> See if they'll renegotiate. See if they can. I would. I would be like Joaquin. We will give you no buyout. We want our million dollar buyout back, but we'll make it a fifty million dollar mutual option <laughs> and CP falls for it. <laughs> and then we'll um, double your incentives to start because remember he's got those incentives for if he starts games as well. Well, double. <laughs> I forgot the thing. You might as well. What's See, it hurt? If you want to, if you want to talk about a, a front office, basically, you know, trolling someone's contract. Oh yeah, that is probably it. Oh right yeah. there. That's oh, no player would ever sign a contract with me again. Absolutely not. The fact, the fact that they put in the possibility of Joaquin Soria like, starting and yeah. gave him incentives if it happens is. Oh, uh, we'll put incentives. Sure. sure. That's, that's like a. a that's a that's kind of a <laughs> yeah. What about humans. games played in the outfield? You want one of those incentives too? <laughs> you want a home run incentive? Sure, we'll put it in there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, What's Chris Young has has incentives just for being on the major league roster for X number of days. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah. I mean, why not? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, the yeah, the thing ahead. about Matt Strom that bugs me is I I feel like they should be trying to make him a starter, like. I feel like it's too soon to no definitely like pull the plug on him being a starter because he hit was in the minor leagues and yeah. like yeah he was a good reliever last year but like you're gonna need you're gonna need one of these guys to you know start some games for you at some point and he's kind of the best of the bunch right now yeah well he's the number one prospect with, on Fangraphs for the Royals yeah with I mean with Kyle Zimmer's Injury problems. It's just Omanasi for. Hey, I didn't mention him being healthy. Oh, okay. I, just I think just mentioning his, his name, name does it. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, being pushed through the system for God knows why to make it debut in the World Series to the next year. <laughs> But I tweeted this out. I don't know if you guys caught this the other day. He lost his rookie eligibility by three at-bats. Oh, he went... Oh, okay. Oh, wow. So even if he it, kills it this year, he's not... He can't win that... Yeah, he is, he's huh. not eligible huh. for really? his rookie... He lost his rookie... It was actually four at-bats now that I think about it. But the you know the rookie cutoff is you know X number of days on the Major League roster before the expansion. Well, he wasn't up long enough before the expansion for that to kick in. 
So then the next one is whether or not you get 150 at-bats as a, oh, yeah. a major league player, and he got 153. Mm. Over-under for next year, or 2017, 350 plate appearances for Mondesi. Over-under. Uh, we'll in the, the, in the major, that is. Oh, actually... I'm going to say... <sighs> I'm going to say second, over. Second base is such a mess. Yeah, like, It'll 350. Be bad. I'm gonna say over. Over. Oh uh, man. Because you could a... uh, end up starting at shortstop too. Yeah. And yeah. If Escobar downs, uh, goes down to any injury at all. Yeah. You know, yeah. Montesi will be being the new shortstop. He might so. start at DH. That's pretty You never is know. Is it possible? Has anybody? I mean, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I'll take the over okay. simply because I don't. I don't think they're going to find a solution for second base between now and the season starting. Okay. I think Barry Bonds is available. How Barry Bonds is available. He has not officially retired. Oh. I know he has. He's a coach now. Okay, one more over under. 2019. Mm-hmm. 600 plate appearances for Modesty. Uh, 2019. So two years two from seasons now. For- Two seasons from are you writing this down in your big book of over unders? So oh, yeah. we're actually gonna have I've a lot of this. I've got these best back from, from like two thousand for some of my old elementary school friends that they're gonna owe me money on. I'm pretty sure that you and I have some kind of thing going on with Ian Kennedy, if I remember correctly, but I don't I don't have enough fortitude to look it up at yeah, this point. Yeah, I don't recall that one. But twenty nineteen for Mondesi. Six hundred played. Hundred I'm gonna I'm gonna say the under on that one. I'll take the under. What why twenty nineteen? Well, because... Next year's the 2017's too easy. 2018, you 2019 you're trying to guess what he's going to do in 2018 more so than what he maybe will do in 2019 as well. Cuz if he has a good 2018, he'll get 600 plate appearances in 2019. I don't think he should be in the major leagues right now. So no. I don't I don't know he that he should have been last year. No, not at all. Like the if he had been a September call up that would have been fine, but the fact that you know, brought him up to start games in August as a second baseman. As a second, second baseman, baseman, when that's not even the position that he's. You know, I mean, he's been playing second in the minors, but come on, like he's a shortstop, and he's. I have no idea why they are handling Mondesi the way that they are, and it's it's actually kind of, it's been kind of frustrating to a degree because you want to know why. They're continuing to just sort of rush this kid through the system in order to get him to the majors in order to perform, to have a historically bad season. Like, a historically bad, like, of guys with 100 plate appearances, like, his WRC Plus ranks, like, in the top, like, 1% of players in the last, like, 50 years. Like, that's that's not good. And, And the fact that they made it a point to get him to the majors kind of when they didn't have to and yeah, clearly not ready the, right he didn't it wasn't like calling up uh i don't know chris bryant to put you over the top or something like they weren't a playoff yeah. team and they weren't and he wasn't ready I, i'm with you no yeah. argument for me i mean the like the the conspiracy theory is that they brought him up cuz he was going to fail another test a drug test or something like that that the oh. miners checks for that the majors don't I thought that's only marijuana, though. Is usually the yeah, thing. Huh. yeah. Okay. That's that would be the one. Oh, like with oh, Jer- Jeremy okay. Dreffers was was a guy that yeah. kind of made it to the majors mostly because they wanted to keep him not suspended. 
So there, there's a conspiracy rumor going around about that, but at the same time, like that's just ridiculous. Yeah, like, that's bonkers. All right, um, fail his his ped test though, so that's always good. Hey, all right, one quick. Oh, gosh, I don't want to do this, but I do. One last over under. I'm sorry, um, Kyle Zimmer <laughs> career <laughs> career. You can you can you can go out to 2050 if you want. Ten innings pitched career. In the majors? Yes. Oh, I'll take, take the over on that. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. He'll, I mean, he'll, even as a, as a, you know, 28-year-old, he'll make it as a okay. reliever. 50 innings pitch, then. We'll do 50. 50? 50 innings of any capacity. Starter, uh, reliever, you name it. Yeah, I'll still nah, take the over on that, too. Yeah, I think under. I think I'm with Matt. I think under seems uh, fine. I'm, I'm the optimist of the group, so, you know. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, okay, so we're going to push along to the final subject which we would love to talk forever on but we need to not do that um daniel duffy is going to be buried a royal well uh, maybe he could still be a free agent at what 32 but uh he just signed a five-year 65 million dollar extension are there is there anything crazy on that deal i think it's just pretty straightforward 565 right there's no i mean option yeah or option of any kind yeah the no, only the only the only really crazy thing is that he's only making five million this year, and then it bumps oh. up to like fifteen the year after yeah, that. Yeah, fourteen. Yeah, he took a pay decrease, I think, this year. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, wow. like he, he yeah. took less money this year to have more money. Yeah. Wow. And then guaranteed believe... for free agency years. It's a really good deal for yeah. the Royals. Like, yeah. you don't you don't really get prime years for five years for sixty five. I mean, they gave Ian Kennedy more money. Yeah. Right. Ian Kennedy. Is more expensive and worse, right? Yeah, and, uh, and Ian got an, got an opt out, but like, yeah, oh, that was what it was. It was whether or not Ian Kennedy was going to opt out. Oh, he's not opting out, baby. Yeah, you that was bury the, him a royal right next to Danny Duffy because he's not <laughs> opting out. That was, I remember now. The uh, that was the thing that we had talked about on, okay. on that one podcast, yeah, uh, where yeah. I said he 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 was going to, opt yeah, you said that he, he wasn't, all right. But that, yeah, so Danny Duffy's deal, very, very, uh, I wanted to say, sw- like, swallowable, but that's, it's a good deal. It's not like it's a, anything bad about it. It definitely make you cringe. Definitely got, I valued him at, like, 100-ish million in the article mm-hmm. I wrote. And, you know, they got him for 65. So that's a pretty dang good deal. Uh, I think a lot of it, though, of course, is buying into the new Duffy. I, I think I've notoriously been the guy that's been a little hesitant on it. And I'm still not 100% sold. I'd... I don't. I'm not sold on 2018 Duffy being a three-win pitcher until I see 2017 Duffy be like a two-ish, three-ish win pitcher. You know, I know that's easy to say, but I just need one more season of this, or even a half a season of this, would kind of you know calm my nerves. What do you guys think? That's why I got him at that price. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of one of those things where, um, I mean, when you when you you know, watch the press conference and you hear all the comments that Duffy made that he, you know, didn't even consider free agency, like, was kind of always planning on re-signing with the Royals in general. Like, there's about the deal that makes sense from a business standpoint, and the fact that he performed so well last year, you know, I, I have a feeling a Duffy extension was obviously probably being worked on prior to the season ending last year. And and so it's it's interesting that he you know got the amount of money that he did when you know in free agency he 
probably could have gotten more had he had he have another yeah decent ish season and I I mean I the article that I posted today was basically that you know it's a good signing but it, it was also kind of a ne- necessary one yeah. because between Ventura's struggle Ian Kennedy opt out uh, Nate Carnes being sort of meh in terms of his value as a starter. Um, and, you know, Jason Vargas not being on under contract past this season, there's there was going to be a lot of rotational question marks following 2017. And so the fact that Duffy is now around until 2021, uh, it, it brings at least a modicum of stability that you know there's going to be guys who are at least going to be in the rotation, regardless of how good or great their performance might be, that there's at least going to be guys contract who will be here. And so you don't have to go out and sign Mike Miner and Dylan G every year. You don't have to go out and give 18, well, $11.5 million to Chris Young. You, you don't have to take so many risks on guys like Chris Medlin to, you know, maybe make it through another Tommy John surgery. Um, so just the fact that, like, more so than just the skill, you have the the peace of mind, I guess, of knowing that he he is going to be there, presuming he doesn't get injured again, but injury is always a thing. And so with Duffy and Ventura and Carnes and Kennedy, presuming he doesn't opt out like Sean doesn't think he will, um, like you literally have four fifths of your rotation, not necessarily settled, but at least you have options there mm-hmm. for the next, you know, four years. Yeah. What do you think the chances of Duffy getting traded are? Would ten ten percent, zero percent? Just depends on how good the team is. If well, the sure. Team is remotely good, zero percent. If the team maybe after. Uh, 2018, if they're just bad, then almost 100%. So what's the... I I think it's uh, one of two things. Yeah, but I... So do you think that there's a... Is there a possibility that it gets up to 80% chance? Like, I... Do you think that even if the Royals, let's say in 2018, end up being like a 70-win team... I'm not sure he gets traded, even in that case. Even in 2019, I'm not sure he gets traded. I feel like they're going to keep him around just to kind of, you know, be like, hey, this is our homegrown guy for a while, if, you know? If it if it were the press conference and sort of the comments being made, I would probably say that the odds of him being traded are much higher than what I think they actually are. But it sounds like, it sounds like this team for the next like four or five seasons is basically Alex Gordon and Danny Duffy sure. and then whoever else is yeah. Yeah. You know, going to Perez stick around. Like for, yeah. It's like Perez. And yeah. Perez, Ventura. Ventura. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then some of the younger guys up Solaire, I guess would be here, but yeah. Uh, it sounds like the, the two guys that they wanted to make sure that they kept around through the next rebuilding phase were, was going to be Danny Duffy and Alex Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, between the contracts that they signed. Because, I mean, Ventura signed his deal, but it's... <sighs> you Friends. never get... 
And yeah, and Perez signed his deal as well. And, like, but I guess with with Ventura, you never really get the feeling that the organization is so terribly high on Ventura that yeah. they would never consider trading him. No, I agree. Um, and Perez just isn't that good. Like he's not he's not as good as Gordon has been, and he's not as good as what Duffy showed last year. So it it. But he's obviously a, a big organizational guy, and you know is always smiling all the time and everything. But like Damn it, it's just, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like it it, it kind of feels like Duffy is the guy. Like he's he's you know they don't hand out you know captains jerseys anymore, but. I mean, if they did, it would be Gordon, and then after that, it would probably maybe be him. I think, per- yeah, I think it's like Perez or Duffy would be the next. As two Perez up. would probably be next. Yeah, they right. love catchers as like captains, you know. Well, that's what happens when your, you know, your manager is a former yeah. major league catcher, which most of them are. But I, oh God, they really need to not play him 140 games this year. Yeah. Right. It's it's clockwork at this point. Right around the hundred game mark, he just completely there's, self implodes. Yep. There's no better fantasy asset if all if you're in a, if you're fantasy baseball and all you need is plate appearances is the single category. Number one mm-hmm. overall pick is going to be Salvador Perez every time. Will not be injured. Will guarantee to play, and the next catcher will go in the fiftieth round. Right. But. Escobar would be another guy who's oh yeah going to get played appearances. Yep, somehow God, God love him. Him and his you know child support abandoning ways. God bless him. <laughs> All right, maybe I should bring it up. But anyways. All right, I was going to say his two seventy six on base percentage. <laughs> I was going to talk okay. about his child support. You know what um, really matters. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, or the fact that he's, you know, declined year over year yeah. for the last three seasons. Yeah. Well, hey. Oh, wait. Oh, all right. Let's see it. Let me figure it out real quick. I got to figure out what his buyout is. Or not his buyout, his uh, mutual option. His, his Escobar? Doesn't he have a mutual option? Or was it? Yeah. Uh, I think, isn't he still in arbitration? No, no, no. He signed a deal. No, no, no. He's got two option years yeah. for. Um, okay. No, this is finally. Uh, this oh, is yeah. this yeah. is his last season. That's right. Yeah, six and a half million. Oh. Yeah. Might as well make it. Well, never mind. It's, don't make it that because it's already been picked up. But it could be fifty million as well. Sign them right. up. Sign them up next year. Hundred million. Hundred million dollar mutual option. Yeah. You'll take half the money this year. Yeah. Take it back. If yeah. if only. Okay. Uh, I mean, I feel. I mean, I my guess is that Duffy probably settles around like a three win pitcher. Yeah. Like that. That's. I don't. I've got. Like he was. He was really good for about two months last year. Yeah. He kind of fell off a pretty good deal Be, at the end. Like there. like best pitcher in baseball, really good. Yeah. Um. He was Max Scherzer for. I mean, most of the time. Yeah. But. And I know that. Um, I think Jeff Sullivan, or it may have been Dave Cameron, but one of them wrote about him at Fangraph saying that you know he's got all these. He profiles as being a like a top ten pitcher in baseball, presuming he can, you know, do what he did for two months last year over an entire. I, I just don't see it. I, I, he he strikes me as a guy who's always going to have some sort of inconsistency. Well, it's the home runs, right? That's what I think. It, of the mm-hmm. the home runs are part of it, but I also, 
I feel like his delivery, for whatever reason, he has a tendency to to kind of step outside of it every once in a while, mm-hmm. and it can make him have a bad game or a bad month. And so I probably going to end up settling being a a good, not great pitcher, but they're paying him to kind of be less than that anyway. Sure. So yeah. it probably ends up working out. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, um, first half FIP was 3.4. Second half FIP was 4.18. I mean, there was, and the month by month one might be a little more kind of exact, but yeah, I mean, he had a five FIP in September, October. Um, yeah. I think, that, yeah. And it might've been one of those where, you know, he hasn't, feels like he maybe hasn't pitched that much. Well, I mean, he set a career and, high in innings, yeah. and he only threw 179 innings right. last year. And he went to eight. He went so. to eight. And, well, he went in the ninth for his first time, right? Am I, I think that's correct. Uh, a couple of times, actually, yeah. I think. Yeah. He got to, like, 8.2 like, outs, I want to say. Yeah, like, his, his kind of his M.O. season was that he was kind of done after six innings. Yeah. Yeah, um, usually because of high pitch counts, because he would work deep counts because he wasn't efficient about throwing strikes. And then last year he kind of fixed that. And oh, he yeah. had a, no, he had a complete game. Okay, against the White Sox, yeah. I I thought mm-hmm. he got. I remember he got to eight point two against the Phillies, and someone I think hit a home run or he gave up a bunch of runs for the final out and then got pulled. Um, but yeah, that's right. No, the White Sox. He went nine innings, um, mm-hmm. the full thing. Okay, yeah. pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up. Um, fellas, what do we have to talk about still? What do we miss? What do you guys want to think of? Anything? I think we've uh, talked enough. Yeah. With that huge – I don't know where it came from, that huge um, trip down memory lane, uh, terrible memory lane in yeah, mid Jones Rules baseball. Just yeah. out of nowhere. Matt's it's got, just always so fun to talk about. <laughs> Matt, you have some Overwatch to play, or uh, I don't know if you play Overwatch. You seem like an Overwatch. I do. Yeah. Or are you still playing RC Car Soccer or whatever? Um, RC. <laughs> whatever. It's Rocket called. League. Rocket League. Rocket League is the best game of all time. No, I'm not making fun of it. I just didn't know the name of it. <laughs> it looks kind of. It's it looks great. pretty cool. I don't understand Overwatch. Is someone yeah. explain it to me? I get it. It's a first-person shooter. Mean? It's a, okay. So let's why is it fun? back up a little bit. Everybody thinks it's like a really awesome, groundbreaking game, and I just think it's it's fun, sure, but it's not like the best thing since sliced blood. Slice, sliced blood. Yeah. Sliced blood. Yeah, that's always appetizing. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean I I tried to play Overwatch, and the repetition just kind of. Which is weird because most multiplayer games are all about repetition. Like Rocket League, for instance, is a lot of repetition, but it's fun. Yeah, it's but more Rocket League is perfect. Yeah, hmm. it's more it's more fun for me than than Overwatch is. There's not enough incentive for me to keep playing that game. Civ Six, on the other hand, uh, way too many hours put into that game since it came out. Ooh, why wouldn't you just play like Battlefield if you want to do a first person shooter? It's the best first person shooter out there, anyways. I don't know. Okay, I was I I I'm somewhat nerdy enough, and I play Counter Strike and Steam games, but I don't know Overwatch. I just I don't know. I don't get it. I don't doesn't I don't know. Doesn't work for me. That could be the entire subject of our next podcast. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But for now, yeah, we'll, we'll have a separate thing. Okay. Speaking speaking of uh, so like I always like to do random facts whenever whenever we close the podcast. Oh yeah, please. Yeah. 
So the random fact for this week is that uh, the, in 2011, uh, the Royals had Jeff Francis on their roster. And he, he tied for the league, the team lead in starts that year with 31 with Luke Hochaver. Uh, but neither of them ended up being the best pitcher on the team by wins above replacement. That honor went to old friend of the show, Felipe Paulino. Oh! His, his 2.2 wins above replacement being the best starter on the 2011 staff. Why did, why did we like him? I'm trying to think. I forget why we, um, we liked him so he much. He struck out nearly nine batters That's an right. inning. Okay. And but he was hurt was a, a lot, wasn't he? Uh, basically after that season, yes. Oh, that he was, was like hurt. hips like Kyle Zimmer, really. Yeah. 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 Okay. Like he, um, and he was brought over in a trade. Yeah. That like we traded basically nothing to a, like like, I think it was Jonathan Sanchez. No, that wasn't Jonathan Sanchez. But around that time, where the Royals basically traded nothing for a starting pitcher who came in and actually seemed like he could throw strikes and strike people out and did pretty well and then he got hurt and then he got hurt again and then his career is basically yeah because he it's i remember he was on the rockies and he sucked on the rockies and they dfa'd him um and then i think they got him for just cash or something and he was good they're like all right this is a good picture we found it's like oh great and then you know 2012 happened it looked like and it was like uh we tried. It was good for yep. one year. But Dayton Moore of the current would sign that same pitcher up for two years with an eleven half million for two years eleven million with a eight million mutual option. You know. <laughs> Gotta always keep striking that gold baby. Or that lightning. Oh, so man. Okay. All right. We're done here. Um uh, we can everybody's depressed. I think there's no way anybody's <laughs> there's no way anybody's made it this far in the podcast anyways. They I they mean, turned it off thirty minutes ago. <laughs> Matt Lamar wrote, wrote a piece about Dayton Moore forgetting that he was the Royals GM for a month. So, <laughs> so I don't, I don't think any of us. A lot of people thought I was being like snarky. Yeah, like, I, I didn't like that, and they, I just don't understand how yeah. you could take that piece, which is basically a click hole. Yeah, and think that I was being remotely serious. You know, no. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, World Series. You know, do what? He won the World Series. Dude, that's the, more. I don't know. That's just the trump card everybody plays. Doesn't matter what you say. He could be that's, a. Uh, he could be a. Uh, I don't know. A child abuser and like, yeah. Well, the guy won a World Series. I mean, it's anyway. Not gonna get into it. <laughs> okay. I don't want to talk about child abuse on the podcast and with now. That, if only Max was here. I hope Max yeah. is not listening to this. Okay. <laughs> Between the fact that we have to get a censor tone for your comment. <laughs> All right. Well, we gave it a shot. Anyways. All right, yeah. guys. Thanks as always. Um, yeah. As always, you can royalsreview.com. You can follow uh, Josh on Twitter at j underscore k under j underscore k underscore ward. Yes, that's me. And then Matthew is Matthew underscore Lamar. It's Lamar underscore Matt. Ah, okay, Lamar yeah. underscore Matt. Uh, great guys to follow. Um, you can follow me, Sean. Sean Core, S-H-A-U-N-C-O-R-E, on Twitter. Um, we're always doing about stuff there. And, of course, you can find our stuff on Royals Review. I'd imagine most people who listen to this podcast probably visit Royals Review anyway, so they're familiar. But Yes. Um, all, 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 all dozen of our podcast yep. fans, bro. Hey, we, <laughs> hey to, be, to be fair, we get several hundred plays per – I mean, I think one of them got like 600. That's pretty good. 
Oh, um, that's awesome. Yeah. So we're very appreciative. Thank you very much, listeners. But okay. All right. Well, until next time, uh, have many, uh, many good nights. Thank you. Where's your-